Uh, welcome back to Table Talk, everybody. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Clint Poppy and Adam Moline. We've been talking, just uh, piggybacking on Genesis 11, Tower of Babel, when the people at that time all came together and said, let us, let us build and let us make a name for ourselves. And of course, God came down and scattered them all. And, uh, and, and this was in defiance to what God had said. God said, spread out over the whole world, be fruitful and multiply. He gave the, them a command and a promise, and uh, the people that were... And what particular promise are we talking about? The promise of the Savior. Yes, and, uh, and see, this who is would what come through the seed of the woman. Yes. Um, you know, we uh, at our Easter vigil, we, uh, we read significant portions from um, Genesis 6, 7, and 8, with regard to the flood and uh, the worldwide devastation and God's mighty hand of deliverance and his promise to the people that never again would he do this. And the Tower of Babel, Babel, however you want to say it, is in direct defiance to go and populate the whole earth to be fruitful and multiply because one of that multiplication would be the savior of the world, the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. And they didn't trust the promise of God or the protection of God. They wanted to build a tower so tall that the next flood that came, they'd be high and dry. And so it is, it is an absolute uh, act of uh, defiance uh, and you can't see this on the radio, but I'm holding up my fist in the air. I want you to get that picture. Uh, absolute defiance toward God, his love, his care, his promise, his protection. This is the history of mankind. <clears throat> this is the history of mankind. And, and uh, you know, in our, in our first segment, we, we talked about some of the globalization things going on in our world today. But this is nothing new. And uh, our cigar discussion... Um, kind of did a survey of world history. And th this is not my area of expertise, but uh, throughout all of history, it just seems like this has been repeating itself again and again and again. You're either going to live by faith or you're not. And when you don't live by faith in the promise of God to send the Savior, if you're living in the Old Testament times, then you're going to live differently. And of course, uh, Adam knows history quite well, uh, how this works. Yeah, uh, the time we're living in, in a certain regard, reflects the time of the collapse of the Roman Republic into the Roman Empire, when uh, politics no longer became about what's right for the people or for the state or for the, the good of the uh, the city, but instead uh, cults of personality, where special interests were paid to the people to get their support. Uh, free bread was handed out to keep uh, people in, in power, uh, conquering and, and ruling. Uh, more land was an important thing. And eventually, as you got these people who are egomaniacs uh, and very good at being egomaniacs rising to the top of uh, the political pyramid, if you will, they had to eliminate each other. And the one that was left on top was Octavian, who became Augustus, the first emperor. Um, and, uh, you know, through a series of civil wars, several in his own lifetime, where he eliminated all of his op uh, opposition, and hundreds of thousands of people were killed. And uh, he becomes the uh, the this is where the word fascism comes from. The emperor uh, who has the people, the fascists, the power symbol uh, carried around him all the time. 
And he did a fine job because he knew what he had done to get up there to the top and what it took to get to the top. Uh, but his heirs, as they are the people with all the money and power and prestige wrapped up within themselves, are slowly corrupted uh, until you get things like Caligula uh, and Nero, who are egomaniacs and eventually assassinated uh, because everybody wants to be the top dog, right? Well, they're <laughs> Genesis so 11ers, aren't they? They Let are. Let us make a name for ourselves. And that's part of how you keep your power then, too, as the Roman emperor, is you uh, build uh, monuments to your name in every city and every town so that people uh, worship you and trust you and you make sure everybody's taken care of uh, at your expense, just not as well as you are taken care of. And this is not just Rome. Uh, this happens in all sorts of uh, empires. You know, we could see it with Alexander the Great. Uh, we could see it uh, with some of the English expansion, even within the Holy Roman Empire, uh, things like that, where there's these conflicts uh, that come about from egomaniacs trying to consolidate power within themselves. I think we could say the same thing about the Roman church, right? Uh, that eventually rose up as well uh, as a, a power um, well, yeah, conglomerate. With the, with, with the fall of Rome, you have civilization destroyed. Who's going to fill the vacuum? Well, guess, guess who? Right. The papacy th did. That's an interesting thing because um, – it's Christianity. I'm reading a different book right now about this topic. Christianity that comes in and kind of turns this whole thing on top of its head, where uh, at the, the last centuries of the Roman Empire, Christians say it's not about power and prestige and building monuments to yourself, but rather it's about uh, loving God and taking care of your neighbor. Those are the important things, and they kind of undermine this world that had been set up as a fascist uh, sort of uh, empire, if you will. So, uh, Adam, at least the Roman emperors were honest with what they were doing. They called themselves God. Or a son of God. Or yeah. a son of God. Yeah. They, they were at least honest <laughs> in the respect that they were setting themselves up as deities, and uh, they didn't hide this fact. They were setting themselves up as deities, and they were one of the gods to be worshipped and sacrificed to. Am I correct? You are, in a certain sense. Um, they were often voted this uh, honor from the Senate as if the Senate could make people into gods. Uh, it's even interesting, Augustus never allowed himself to be called a god while he was alive uh, directly. His name was Augustus, of course, but uh, he, he allowed himself to be called the son of God because he was the adopted son of Julius Caesar. And I think this happens uh, right at the same time that Christ is born in Bethlehem, that he is able to use that title, the son of God. Um, and I think that's one of the ways that Satan is attempting to uh, manipulate things and to take away the Christian titles and to undermine them so that they cannot be used properly, but people are used to seeing them used improperly. And I think that's an interesting topic we could talk a long time about. We, we see this throughout history, and again, this is not my, my area of expertise, but don't we see this again um, in the uh, 7th, 8th, ninth century with regard to the uh, Islamic expansion uh, throughout throughout the entire world, don't we see this um, even a little bit later it, with uh, China 
and uh, Japan and the whole Shogun kind of thing. As uh, and we we have the Mongol expansion. We we have pockets of this all over the world, don't we? Throughout history, all the time, uh, and they're all unique in their own regard. I mean, so. I think this is, again, where you see Satan working to undermine what Christianity is doing. That's why when Islam rises uh, not long after Christianity, uh, their uh, shahs, their rulers, are not called gods. They wouldn't wouldn't do that, but they would also undermine the Trinity and say that your god's wrong and there's only one true god, and Muhammad is his prophet. And uh, the, the leader at the time, whoever that was, would also be the installed servant of God that you need to listen to if you actually want to listen to God. But it it evolves the way that it kind of goes, moves forward so that always whatever is being done by the world is also being done by the devil to undermine the true Christian faith um, and the terminology that we use. I mean, even in a more modern example, right, Uh, Mormonism uses Christian language in a way that actually undermines what the truth is and gets people to believe a lie instead of the truth. That's the way it's been throughout all history, and that's why history uh, teaches us that our terminology and our language and our use of it and our importance of pointing out error is so important, not to make errored erring people feel bad, but rather to preserve the truth in the face of the constant onslaught of Satan who seeks to sell us a lie instead. So, so Pastor, to bring us back to our original topic or t- t- thought here, is is globalism wrong? Is globalism a sin? I mean, I've been in the preschool classroom, and I see the little pictures that the little kids draw of a, a picture of the globe, and, you know, uh, think globally, act locally is is this a sin is this a sign of the end times uh help us out here one has to diagnose what people mean by this on the one hand it, it might not be on the other hand it probably is for example i'll, I'll try to make this cogent uh adam talked about uh, many things happening in history and the devil at work trying to undermine the christian church and the christian faith Yeah, I would agree with that. This is part of what's going on in the history of the world until the last day, is that Satan will use various people in all three estates to forget the biblical teaching that there is, in fact, a new creation and that there is a new humanity on the earth. It's spelled C-H-U-R-C-H. The company of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. There actually is a kingdom on the earth. And it's led by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And the new humanity is the church that is spread out all throughout the world. And these are faithers. These are trusters. The the true church. I mean, to make sure we're clear, because that... that the Christian church lately hasn't been doing a very good job of being the true church. That, that's Yeah, granted. But my point is, is that Satan wants to undermine this truth. And so he will use anybody, whether it be a pope, a politician, or someone in a family, to say, no, we are going to create a different humanity, a new humanity of our own creation that will not live by faith in Christ. They will live by faith in blah, blah, fill in the blank. 
a cult of personality, uh, whatever. This is the problem. And I'm going to try and say this again one more time. Think about Karl Marx and think about his disciples and how that came about in uh, Russia and all throughout the time in which... Let's, let's use Stalin, for example. Stalin, piggybacking on Marx, was actually trying to create a new humanity. Think of the philosopher prior to this, Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche. He'd given up on Christianity, okay? And so there's gonna, he's going to have to fill that with something else, and he does. It is the Ubermensch. The new humanity will be supermen. And what does that mean? I'll just put it as simply as possible. These will be people. This will be a world, a globe of people who no longer have to believe in God at all, let alone the Lord Jesus Christ. And we will create a new humanity according to our image. This is the devil at work, you see. So to repeat before we say goodbye to everybody, there is, there is globalism. And it's this way. It's called the church. This, read Ephesians. <laughs> this, is, this is the new humanity the church, the believers, the trusters and Christ reigns it's hidden, it's hidden but nonetheless it's there and this is what we must trust so uh, true, gro- true globalism then pastor is the holy Christian church Yes, and the one world language is the gospel, is the gospel. Is the gospel. that's Pentecost that's what Pente- so every Sunday then is a Pentecost and, and the Holy Spirit is preaching in tongues through the pastor in, in pe- languages that people can understand. English is ours. <laughs> well, I hear the music, so we got to say goodbye. I hope this was edifying. Stay loose with my friends. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hey, welcome everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman. I'm here with Adam Moline and Clint Poppy. You guys staying healthy? Yeah, I'm doing real well. <laughs> I've lost my sense of smell, but other than that, I'm fine. I, I heard that you have a fever and you have, you're struggling to breathe and all that jazz. Huh? No, I'm, I'm ecstatic, quite frankly, because um, as we record this, yesterday a study came out that said um, the rate of COVID-19 infection among those who are moderate cigarette or cigar smokers is almost non-existent. Is that right? There's only one problem with that for you. Tell me. You said with moderate cigar smokers? Ah, yeah. So, so my new mantra is a cigar a day keeps COVID-19 away. Perfect. Well, that, that's just <laughs> perfect for you. Fits you no, very, very he- no, all joking aside, uh, very, very healthy and very thankful to the great physician of body and soul for keeping the uh, pastors, secretaries, the uh, lay leadership here at Good Shepherd healthy as we uh, continue as best we can to uh, deliver the means of grace to the people of God. Yeah, the Lord has good use of us. In our various vocations, thanks be to God. Amen. 
You know, Clint, you were mentioning something to me. One of your members was, you said that he'd been uh, thinking a lot about the Tower of Babel in, in the <laughs> Genesis account. Yes. And at first you were kind of taken aback and thought, what in the world is this all about? Tell us more. How did this go? Uh, well, he was uh, thinking about the Tower of Babel with regard to uh, globalization. And uh, at, the, uh, at the Tower of Babel, we, uh, we know from the book of Genesis, we had everybody working together to try to build a tower to reach God, to be God, to overpower God, whatever. And uh, he said, as I, as I think about the history of the world, it appears to me that whenever we get all people together to try to do one common thing, it's almost always against God or trying to earn our own human kind of salvation apart from God. And uh, talked about efforts throughout history and that nationalism is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but whenever we try to um, do one world government, one world uh, banking, one world language, those kind of things, these uh, globalization efforts always uh, seem to be kind of a um, self-justification human attempt at salvation. So we pondered that over a cigar or two. It's interesting. It's yeah. the G- Genesis 11, isn't it? It is Genesis 11, and it, it also is the uh, idea put forward by that... Uh, Great atheist ballad, you know, imagine. Imagine there's John no Lennon. countries. It's easy if you try. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what he's saying, right? No religion, no countries. Everybody gets along. Imagine all the people living life in peace, and now we, we're we getting driven apart. Yeah, John Lennon and his utopian uh, have, have you guys, ideology. Have you guys heard of uh, Esperanto? Hmm, Esperanto? I'm, I'm not sure. Okay, well, it was uh, after World War II in, uh, in an effort to unite the world. You know, we have the United Nations being formed. We have uh, the nation of Israel being uh, put back together in 1948. There was a worldwide movement to have a one-world language. And this language was called Esperanto. Esperanza, es- right? No, it was, Esperan- I mean... In, uh, I, I'll you, look it up. You you can look it up there while we talk. But um, when when I was young, there were uh, in in the little town that I grew up in in uh, West Point, Nebraska, there were several people who were teaching Esperanto. That's what I was told. Oh, it was. yep, you're right, Esperanto. Yep. I'm and thinking of the isn't there a movie Esperanza in the moonlight or can't tell you, oh, can't tell you. But this Esperanto um, was was an attempt to unite the world through one language. And uh, it was, by the time I was in high school in the mid-70s, it had pretty much died out. But there was, there was a big push in the late 40s, 50s, and 60s, uh, even making it all the way to small-town rural Nebraska for a one-world language that would bring about or help bring about peace and unity for all. Now, uh, backing this conversation up, the Genesis 11 conversation was in the context of what we're experiencing now all over the world with the COVID-19 pandemic, correct? Correct. And so your your parishioner's fear, just say it again, your parishioner's fear is what? That the uh, zeal for 
One World United is a uh, return to the Tower of Babel and uh, a man-made human effort to be God, to achieve God, to take over God, and that um, we don't we don't see it this way. But his question was: Is globalization an anti-Christian, anti-God kind of a, of a movement that has kind of slipped in the back door? Takes uh, no account of the reversal of the Tower of Babel at uh, Pentecost, and the One World language is Jesus, the gospel that goes forth. And is this an attempt to undermine or subvert? the gospel of Jesus Christ. Could very well be. Uh, uh, that You'd have to diagnose that and listen to how people talk about it. So in, in <clears throat> Genesis 11, we are told, we're given hints that uh, it is idolatry of the self. When the people say, let us. <laughs> that is, that's just the way the Lord talked in Genesis 1. Let us make. And so they think they're God. See, they, they th- they've got the Genesis 3 problem. Even the... The let us that they say, they say, let us make a city with a tower in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves uh, so we're not spread out all over the whole earth. And the, the whole idea is to, to put themselves above God in the sense they're going to build a tower coated in pitch and tar that's waterproof so that if God sends another flood, we'll be able to get above it and to keep ourselves safe. And that'll show God who's who. And see, the technology at that time in Genesis 11, this is new technology. It's a very parallel universe to today. Things don't change, as Solomon said. Nothing new under the sun. This is new technology here in Genesis 11, and they think it's uh, unthwartable. Right. Just like we think if we, can, if we can map the genome, and I have nothing against mapping the genome, okay? I have nothing wrong with investigating these things scientifically, but the, the, it, it moves beyond this world stuff to the next as if, we can, we can solve every problem as if we're God, and we can create a heaven on earth. This is the Genesis 11 problem. We're going to create a utopian society, which will be a kingdom of God on the earth or a kingdom of heaven on the earth, without who? Guess who they, they're going to leave out? Right. And I think there's the problem with globalism, right? Yes. How are you going to get uh, Yemen and Iran and Saudi Arabia on the same page with you know, France and Poland, uh, and then also on the same page as India. To do that, one of the things you'd have to eliminate is religion, right? Because that's one of the big dividing blocks between countries. Um, Whether we want to admit it or not, it's the reality. And so to make one global nation, you have to eliminate the things that divide, and religion is one of those things. True and false. Well, that's that's what the Soviets did. That's what the Chinese do. That you you eliminate re, you eliminate the true religion, of course, Christianity, and what fills the vacuum, the man-made religion. Let us Genesis eleven. Let us let us let us, and then it becomes uh, fascist tyranny of the highest order. It becomes like what we saw in France during the French Revolution, the Reign of Terror, all for the sake of freedom, liberty. It's a, they, you know their threefold uh, mantra. The uh, bef- when this COVID nineteen thing started, I sent a note to you and uh, former pastor here at Good Shepherd, uh, Lance Burnt. I sent a note saying, uh, "Just watch. Before this is over, the problem is going to be climate change and Christianity." 
and look at what has happened recently. The Pope came out and said, uh, made made his Easter proclamation, and he talked very, very little about Christ and talked quite a bit about climate change. And uh, Mother Earth is uh, uh, rebelling against climate change, and now the whole world is paying. And look at what's happening in uh, in many parts of the world, especially that, that's here. That's paganism. <laughs> well, and in uh, many parts of the world, especially here in the United States, that uh, if you Christians would stay home, then we wouldn't have to worry about community spread with COVID-19. And so um, Christianity would certainly, uh, a true Christianity that would would get in the way of this one world utopia because there's only one way uh jesus says i am the way the truth and life no one comes to the father but by me and orthodox christians will not give that up uh so christians and climate change stand in the way of this one world peace liberty freedom uh that that so many people crave um on their own so it bears repeating what the scriptures teach about the three estates uh, the family, the church, and uh, society feel, or authority. And uh, each has their own unique role, for lack of better terminology, and they have their unique boundaries. So the family, the church, and the state. The state has its boundaries. It's for this world. It's been given God-given tasks for this world uh, to punish criminals and to commend those who do good, uh, build roads, etc. you know, all that kind of stuff. But... The problem again, and I repeat this so that people, if they haven't learned this, they need to get this under their belts. The problem with this estate, namely the state, is that the politicians forget these boundaries. They forget that they are creatures, and creatures can only do so much. They are not the creator. And the problem with all of us, regardless of the estate in which we live, when you forget that you're a creature, and when you act like you're the creator, then you have exceeded your bounds. And this is where the fascist tyranny that the world has never seen will happen. When you have politicians who are saying today, as well as church leaders like the Pope, who say that, uh, yes, COVID-19 is a result of uh, the global, global uh, 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 warming crisis. And so this now, it, they're dovetailing this, aren't they? They're dovetailing COVID-19 with global warming and so if you thought COVID-19 was an existential threat, well, we're now beginning to see how they're going to not let this crisis go to waste and push it onto global warming. This will be the greatest existential threat the world has ever seen. That's what they're saying. And therefore, fill in the blank. Well, I got news for you. When creatures in the estate of the state forget that they're creatures and can only do certain things, and they try to exceed these boundaries, ladies and gentlemen, you should be praying on your knees 24-7 that either God repents these people or removes them. Because I fear that we'll see a fascist tyranny that the world has never seen. Just fill in the blank before we go to break. If global warming, as I fear this is how they're going to push it, they've already told us they're going to, but if they continue to push it, you won't be able to turn your furnace on. You won't be able to turn the lights on. You won't be able to fix a meal. You won't be able to procreate. Drive your car. No, they're going to eliminate everything. But there, it'll be a two-tiered society. The ones who talk about the, uh, the threat, they'll live as normal. But it's the ordinary citizen like you and me who will be tyrannized in the highest level. Just like Stalin. Just like during the 
You, you've seen it. Well, we'll come back after the break. Hang on tight, folks. So hold my hand, I'll walk with you, my dear. The stars creak, I should sleep, it's keeping me awake. 